This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. Since the infamous Roe v. Wade decision legalizing abortion, nearly 60 million pregnancies have been ended. Abortion takes a terrible toll. A child is always lost, and a woman is left knowing that she literally threw away her baby. A family will never know that child. Society will never benefit from what that child might have become. But there are other victims as well, victims we often don't think about when discussing abortion's toll. The abortion workers themselves. Just imagine working in that industry, seeing daily what it does, watching the lives lost and ruined. In 2009, a Planned Parenthood clinic director named Abby Johnson cried, enough, and she quit. She started the organization, and then there were none, which reaches out to other abortion workers to help them leave the abortion industry. I speak with, and then there were none, spokeswoman and client manager Megan Weber about the organization on today's World Lutheran News Digest. And now today's Fast Track. I'm Sarah Golseth with news in brief of interest to Lutherans worldwide. A federal appeals court has given the green light for Planned Parenthood to open three additional abortion clinics in Missouri. As a result of the court's action, Planned Parenthood will be granted legal authority to open abortion clinics in Columbia, Springfield, and Joplin. Planned Parenthood is already licensed to operate clinics in St. Louis and Kansas City. Last week, the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals reversed course and let stand an order by U.S. District Court Judge Howard Sachs. In that ruling, Judge Sachs had instructed the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services to act promptly to expedite the issuance of abortion clinics licenses to Planned Parenthood to expand their abortion empire in Missouri. Tennessee Republican Congresswoman Marsha Blackburn has announced that she will be running for the United States Senate seat being vacated by Bob Corker in the 2018 Senate election. Blackburn launched a campaign Twitter account where she posted a campaign video. However, that video was soon yanked off Twitter for reportedly referencing the Planned Parenthood baby body parts scandal. Twitter's decision was met with immediate backlash, even among some pro-abortion advocates, for its blatant bias and censorship. In the face of the backlash, Twitter has reversed itself. Blackburn confirmed that Twitter had agreed to let her campaign ad run in its entirety. Almost a year to the day when American pastor Andrew Brunson was detained, Vice Chairwoman Sandra Jolly and Christina Ariaga of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom visited him in Kiriklar Prison in Turkey. Since his imprisonment, only his lawyer, relatives, and U.S. Embassy officials have been able to see him. Pastor Brunson was initially confined to a cell meant to accommodate eight men, but was instead crowded with 21 prisoners. He has since been moved to Kiriklar Prison, where he is confined 24 hours a day to a cell with two others. Suffering from the effects of the sustained stress he has endured, he has lost more than 50 pounds. Pastor Brunson spent more than 20 years ministering to Christians in Turkey. He has been accused of trying to overthrow the Turkish government and its constitution. All charges, he says, are completely false. If convicted, Pastor Brunson could be sentenced to life in prison. This is World Lutheran News Digest. 
ഇത് ലോഹ ലൂതരൻ വാർത്താ പരിപാടിയാകുന്നു I World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. My guest today is Ms. Megan Weber, who's with an organization called And Then There Were None. Fascinating title. Tell me a bit about yourself and about the organization. Okay. So, uh back in 2009, Abby Johnson quit her job in the abortion industry and she wrote a book um documenting her her circumstances and her experience working in the industry and what it was like to leave. And because of her book Unplanned, many abortion workers began contacting her saying, "Wow, you're so courageous. I want to leave as well, but I don't know how." And so thus became and then there were none. Well, we were founded in 2012 and since then um in the last 5 years we have been able to help over 380 abortion workers leave their jobs and that includes seven full-time abortion providing doctors. You know, the original goal was wouldn't it be amazing if we had 10 people leave every year. And so, you know, God took our original hope and desire and just exponentially multiplied it. <laughs> Well, what I really am fascinated by is the approach that you're taking. Most pro-life organizations are looking at legislation or perhaps funding uh, funding sources or even uh, talking to the women who are who are considering getting an abortion saying you really don't want to do this. But you're taking a, an entirely different tact on this. What you're doing is actually appealing to the conscience of the abortion workers themselves saying you know this is wrong. You know you can quit. and that's that's a fascinating approach. Yeah, well, I always tell people that abortion clinic workers are among the most misunderstood group of people in this pro-life issue. You know, they don't grow up wanting to work in a clinic. Many times they compromise. It's it, the industry is often made up of single moms who just need to put food on the table for their kids. And you know, it's just it's it's when you start looking at the heartstring issues of their stories you see the slow compromises just that sin a little bit more a little a little more sin here a little more sin there and next thing you know they're working in a clinic even many of our clients don't even know they're going to work in a clinic they respond to an ad online looking for a medical assistant or a nurse receptionist and they go and they interview and they get the job and next thing you know they're rearranging the clinic for the day for procedures and they're like wait what are we doing here i didn't know i was working in an abortion clinic so the industry is very deceptive the industry is very sneaky and the truth is some of our clients do know that they're going to work in an abortion clinic but it's a compromise that they're willing to make in order to make their ends meet they think i can handle this it's it must not be that bad if it's legal so we're just here to meet women right where they're at um actually women and men we've assisted out of the industry so we're just here for them um we provide financial limited financial support as they transition out of the industry we offer legal assistance we pair them up with a one-on-one client manager for emotional and spiritual support we have job search resources and the sweet spot of our ministries are healing retreats where we bring them away for a weekend to a safe environment where they can just really open up and talk about their experiences in a judgment-free environment I was going to ask and you just you actually just jumped on jumped the question here on me was what specific 
service that you offer these people to get out. And you've, you've just explained it because I, I could imagine there is a, a single mom there who's just barely hanging on. And she thinks that this is the only way that she can do it. It has to be something that weighs incredibly upon her conscience, especially when she goes home at night and looks at her child and say, oh, my God, what am I doing? And yet you have these answers. And I think it's it's worthwhile to explain again exactly what are the services you offer to the women who and men who want to leave this horrible industry. Well, we offer transitional financial assistance because, you know, they still have bills to pay. They have children to care for, and, you know, they need to keep paying for their child care while they're out looking for work. So we want to make sure that they're set up to be able to, to quit. We, we don't want them to spend one more day. I mean, one more day is one day too many um, to be in that environment. So we want to we give them just enough cushion to make ends meet. And then while they are out there on their own looking for work, we are also, as client managers that they're paired with, we're working with them to motivate them, to help them set goals. Some of our clients, you know, they might benefit from getting their GED or they might benefit from finishing that one that one more class they need to get certified in, in an area that would expand their job search opportunities. Um, so we work with them very personalized on um, where they're at and where they'd like to be and help them get there. Um, we offer legal assistance. Um, you know, when Abby quit her job, she was sued by Planned Parenthood. They tried to put a lasting gag order on her so she wasn't allowed to talk about her experiences. And obviously, they failed to succeed in that. But some of our clients face legal battles uh, that, you know, the industry does. I always say it's like leaving the industry is like breaking up with your abusive boyfriend. They're kind of like, if I can't have you, no one can. Many times these employers won't verify their employment. So even if they're seeking out aid like food stamps, they won't verify their employment. So they're, our clients are not able to um get good job references and things like that. So there have been times when we contact an attorney and kind of send them a cease and desist letter if there's harassment involved or, you know, have an attorney contact them and and remind them that they legally have to verify employment. So those legal services are very necessary. And we're grateful to like Alliance Defending Freedom. They're always there for us whenever we call upon them. Um, and then we have, you know, like I said, our one-on-one client managers, we have such an amazing team of women who dedicate their time and energy to helping their clients. We spend hours looking up jobs, contacting local pro-life communities um, to see if any doctors are hiring, things of that nature. So we're just there, you know, sometimes my phone rings at 3 a.m. and it's a client who's having an emotional breakdown and I'm there to talk with her and pray with her. Um, things of that nature. Uh, we've all experienced clients having dreams and calling us and telling us about their dreams because they're horrific in nature. Um, so, you know, our client manager one-on-one resources are, are probably very unique facet of our ministry. But aside from that, you know, the practical things like the finances, the legal assistance, the job search resources, those are just necessary Um, But like I said, the sweet spot of our ministry is our healing retreats. Um, And our donors do foot the cost for that bill. You know, when we look at areas in our life where we need healing in Christ, you know, he doesn't send us a bill. He doesn't make us pay for that healing. And so we model that to our clients and invest in them. 
to say your healing is important to us and we don't want it to be delayed because you don't have the funds. Obviously, you just quit your job. You don't have the money to hop on a plane and attend this retreat. So we will cover those costs for them and bring them away uh, twice a year. We, ho- we host retreats. Well, the spiritual aspect is something else that, that I'd like to explore a little bit more. These people who come to you, I suspect, are feeling an enormous sense of guilt. And yeah. and you have to approach them, I should imagine, with the message of God's forgiveness. I know in, in the Lutheran Church, for example, we believe that we are all all sinners. We, there's nothing that we can do that will save us. The only thing that saves us is that Jesus already paid the price, that we are forgiven if we accept that forgiveness. And I, I think this is a, the same thing that you're looking here. You know, we are all guilty. They are guilty. But there's forgiveness and there is redemption. And this is how you approach it, I guess. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the group of people we have worked with and at these healing retreats is just so beautiful. The person who comes into the retreat is often not the same person who leaves. We do see deep connections made. Most of our clients have a foundation in some type of faith background, but they've, they've compromised and walked away from that. And so coming to the retreat and just being loved unconditionally and hearing the truth of God's word and just uh, being prayed over, many times they leave baggage behind at these retreats. Um, It's not something that ever goes away completely, but it's something that that lessens and dulls over time. But yeah, there is an immense feeling of guilt. Um, There's a lot of shame involved, and that's one of the things we discuss at our retreats is really the difference between guilt and shame. And it is okay to feel guilty. Guilty is a good reaction when you've been a part of something that's wrong. So we talk about how to process that guilt and where to position that guilt. You know, yes, we're guilty of, of doing terrible things, but shame is different. Shame is is you know, feeling negative thoughts about who you are as a person, not about your actions. And so uh, we really just try to empower our clients to move forward in healing and to remind them that guilt can sometimes be a good motivator to never go back. Guilt can be a good motivator to allow your negative experiences to create a positive impact elsewhere. Uh, But we really truly desire our clients to release shame. Uh, we don't want them to carry shame with them, and we want to make sure that their guilt is not one of condemnation. Well, again, the the concept that you're following is, is very much biblically based and is Christian-based. But are some of the people, some of the clients who come to you not Christian? or Would they be Jewish or, or have no following at all? And do you accept them as well? Absolutely. We have clients from all demographics and backgrounds. Uh, We have clients who have faith that maybe some of us don't understand or identify with, and that's fine with us. And we have some clients who don't express any faith at all, um, and we're never going to um, reject them. We, We do have open arms to anyone. We really try to keep the focus of our retreat environments pertaining to the wound of working in the abortion industry. Yes, absolutely, faith comes into it. However, if if we did have a particular client attending a retreat that we knew would not be open to any type of talk like that, then we would be sure that any mention of faith is initiated by other clients. 
um, not coming from us as a staff, if that makes sense. So because everybody's allowed to share their story, everybody's allowed to share their thoughts and the things that help them cope and heal. And if that's faith for one client, then we're not going to restrict their voice. Now, if another client doesn't share in that, then they're welcome to share what helps them. We, you know, we prep our clients before retreats and we give them some helpful information of what to maybe avoid. We, we avoid political discussions at our retreats, things of that nature. We, we just remind them we're here to talk about what you've experienced in the industry, what called you to come out of the industry and where you want to go from here in your healing process. So we, we try to keep it simple. Well, let's talk a little bit about the nuts and bolts of the organization and then there were none. Where are you based? How can people find you on the Internet? How are you financed? Are you tax deductible? Are you a charitable donation? Things along that nation, along that line. Okay. So we are a 501c3. Um, all of our donations come through either grants or personal donations. Uh, we're not like Planned Parenthood who gets gobs of government money. <laughs> and so we do rely on the support of individuals and organizations. We have a lot of churches that want to support us and things like that. So we're always welcome to that. Um, you can find us online at abortionworker.com. Once again, that's abortionworker.com. We have a very loud presence. We're actually very grateful. Our website won the Fisher Award for Best Social Justice Website. So we think that our website's pretty awesome, and so did they. We have all kinds of information and resources on our website to help people who uh, maybe do some sidewalk advocacy. We have printable resources. Um, The sign you mentioned earlier, we actually have some downloadable images for those signs under our printable resources where people could just go to their local print shop and get whatever size sign they want um, made at home so we don't have the cost of shipping, et cetera. And, yeah, so we we do rely on donations, and we they are tax deductible. So, yeah. Well, where are you based? Uh, we are based out of Round Rock, Texas, but many of our staff live in different states. Well, for example, um, you live in Oregon. Yes, correct. I live in Oregon, um, and we have staff in varying states as well. We've got New Mexico, Virginia, Maryland. We have a staff member in Missouri. But the thing is, we all have to do our jobs mobily anyways because we're serving clients all over the country. So we manage fairly well. We stay in regular contact and work well mobily. But, yeah, so it works out well. Also, Abby Johnson is a fascinating character. Obviously, her name has been in the news a long time, and uh, I've recently spoken with uh, Jeannie Mancini with the uh, March for Life, and of course, Abby is a regular on that uh, on that particular movement. Let's go a little bit more into Abby, who she is, and what she's doing, and how she gets where she is. I mean, she's a fascinating woman. She is. She's amazing. You know, I was just always tell people that, you know, Abby. You know, she she's not proud at this point in her life that she helped make Planned Parenthood what it is, but she's very intelligent and creative, and she has uh, just phenomenal management skills. And so what she's done now is walking away from that industry and becoming a part of the pro-life movement. All those same wonderful skill sets that she had that 
kind of built Planned Parenthood, she's now building this ministry with those same managing skills and the creativity and the the thought processes. And so we're seeing wonderful things taking place. Um, and it's just a huge testament to God because what what God means to use for his glory and building up his kingdom, you know, if we if we put those things in Satan's hand, he can do the same thing on the other side. But we have the power in Christ to take those things back and say, no, I will build the kingdom of God. So that's what's happening over here. What was her job at Planned Parenthood? Abby was a clinic manager. She was the director of the Bryan College Station facility. And uh, how long was she with Planned Parenthood? She was with Planned Parenthood for eight years. Wow, eight years. Yeah. Was there a specific thing that that made her realize that this was wrong or did she have an epiphany or was it just something that evolved over those eight years yeah well she was called in one day to participate in an ultrasound guided abortion she hadn't heard of this particular procedure before then but the visiting physician said you know it's actually safer if you can see what you're doing when you're performing invasive surgery on somebody and she thought well yeah that makes sense so she went to her supervisor and and asked if they could implement that practice into their clinic. And her supervisor said, no, because that's going to take an additional three to five minutes per patient. And we don't have time for that. Now, Planned Parenthood's goal was to have a woman on the table and off the table with the abortion complete in five minutes. Oh, wow. So so doing an ultrasound guide abortion would double the time and decrease their patients by 50%, right? And that's where they make their profit is with their abortion patients. So they weren't willing to put the safety of women above their profit. And so that kind of set Abby back going, hmm, this does not seem right. And so anyways, the physician said, well, if I have time today, I could call you back to show you what this procedure is like. So maybe you could take this information back to your boss again. And she said, okay. And the time presented itself. And so she went back to assist with the procedure, and she was in charge of holding the ultrasound probe on the woman's abdomen. And she witnessed a baby become dismembered in his mother's womb on the ultrasound screen. And she just realized she could never be a part of that ever again. You know, she she goes on to talk about how, you know, she was a mom at that time. Grace was three years old. And she said, you know, what kind of mother stands there and watches another woman's child dismembered? She said, this is wrong. I can't do this anymore. What have I been a part of? And so she had to respond to her conscience. It's like her eyes opened for the very first time she was in the industry. She realized I could never do this again. And so she courageously quit with with nothing. She she didn't have a backup plan, but she had to just follow her, her gut instinct and say I'm out. And you said that Planned Parenthood tried to hit her with a gag order. Yes, they did. They they took her to court um, and they they accused her of trying to um, contact other employees and and giving their personal information out. What actually happened was another one of her employees gave her her resume because she kind of wanted to leave too. And so then they flipped it on her and said that she was taking her personal information and spreading it around when she was just 
putting her resume in for her. So, uh, but they didn't win. They they obviously were making things up and didn't have any grounds to put a gag order on her. So she's free to speak about her experiences, and she's never going to stop. So once again, for our listeners, and especially if there is anyone out there who works in an abortion clinic or has a friend or relative who's in that industry, how can they get in touch with you? Well, we have, you know, if you have somebody who works in the industry and they want to contact us for assistance, contacting us does not mean that they're obligated to follow through. They're, they're welcome to inquire and take their time if they'd like. We'd love to help them right away. But we do have a number to call a hotline number. So if you work in the industry or you have a loved one you want to share our information with, our number is 888-570-5501. Um, and that is our, our hotline number where anybody could call and ask questions or inquire about quitting their job. And if you just want more information about the ministry or if you wanted to make a donation, you could go to abortionworker.com. We have several uh, tabs you can click on the website, whether for resources, information, hearing more about how we assist our clients, as well as a donate tab. And we even have a shop where we have some good sales going on, too. And also, I'd like to emphasize about confidentiality. Yes, absolutely. Even this morning, I received a text message from a sidewalk counselor asking if we had heard from somebody from such and such clinic. And I, I simply responded back saying, hey, thank you for your concern, but I'm not, I'm not at liberty to discuss any information about any workers who contact us. Um, so we, you know, people will ask, you know, I haven't noticed this, this person at the clinic lately. Did they contact you? And we say, we can't share that with you. <laughs> we, we uphold the confidence of our clients with high respect. Um, you know, Abby, Abby has kind of formed this ministry based on her own personal experiences. And when she left, she had no privacy. She did all of her healing in public. Um, she was exploited in, in many ways. And, you know, she would have people showing up at her doorstep. And, and that's not something that we want for our clients. We don't think that's beneficial. I mean, just, you know, whenever we see a tragedy happen on the news and we see, you know, people showing up on their lawn trying to ask questions of family members, you just you stop and you go, oh, they just need to leave them alone and let them heal. Well, and that's what we want for our clients. We want to provide a safe environment for them to heal at their own pace. Well, Ms. Weber, that's about all the time we have. I really want to thank you for sharing the story with us and the work that this wonderful organization is doing. Thank you so much, and God bless you and your efforts. Same to you. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.